here's another podcast, Truth in the Fog. My name is Bill Nyman. And in this podcast, I like to expand a little bit on what we talked about already in our last podcast. How, is it, how do we know who God is? And how do we know that he actually exists? And how has he revealed himself? And last time we talked a little bit about different interpretations of, of God, moral therapeutic deism, and I'm spiritual but not religious, and that kind of interpretation of who God is. And, and what I'd like to do now is talk a little bit about how has God revealed himself. So in order for us to do that, uh, we, are, uh, we have to look at what the scriptures are actually saying about this issue. Now, the question that many people might ask is um, the way God has, has made himself and, and makes himself known, what we call revelation. And when we discover that the Bible is the main source of theology, and if we want to know God, we should always consult the biblical record. But a, public, a burning question, of course, um, what Christians and unbelievers might, might ask is, what about those who don't have the Bible? Will they ever know God? See, we talked a little bit about this issue already, uh, about those who have never heard. Well, what about those who don't have the Bible? They have a kind of a truncated view of who God is. And um, what, is there anything else that we can consult, right? Um, so theologians have poured over these questions for century and, and, and the questions... And this question has divided many good Christians. All right, we can all agree that the Bible tells us all about God and gives us many details that no other source can. However, there are other sources that reveal who God is. When we admit that God is the creator and that he works in and through history, as we have seen, it stands to reason that God's fingerprints are everywhere and noticeable. And so, in other words, when we admit that, that God exists and he is not some, uh, some being up there removed from us, but he is everywhere, he is he created and he's sustaining the universe and he enters into history, then we must admit that all of reality, everything that we see, um, must be, uh, must be um, touched by God and influenced by the divine. Right? So... Theologians have created two different divisions of how God shows himself to humanity. First of all, through what is called general revelation, and secondly, through special revelation. So in this context, the word general, as in general revelation, has two meanings. So God shows himself to humanity in general, and uh, does God shows himself that how God shows himself is not rest, restricted to a specific people and it is a general type of revelation by that we mean that God reveals himself through nature and history so the Bible is clear that 
God shows himself through his creation. For instance, Psalm 19 states, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, and night after night they reveal knowledge. So the Apostle Paul said to the church in Rome, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So the Bible is very clear that God reveals himself in creation. So, in other words, God's fingerprints are found all over his creation. It tells us also that Certain characteristics of God are recognizable in creation. That doesn't mean, however, that we get the full picture of God. It is only a partial revelation. And this revelation is not to save us, however, but it is to bring us to the realization that God is the one who created everything and that we are accountable to him. The point that the Apostle Paul is trying to make here in the passage is that humanity has been unwilling to recognize God as their creator and has willingly turned its back to him and the consequences have been dire. There is, however, another aspect of general revelation, which is not without controversy or opponents, but but still we have to mention it. So many theologians accept that God's revelation is situated inside every human being, or in other words, there is in every human being an inner awareness or a sense that God exists independent of reason or evidences. So theologians have called this the sensus divinitatis, or the sense of the divine. So many people suppress this truth and ignore the fact that God exists and are accountable to him by their wickedness. That's what it says in Romans 1, 18 through 20. It's very clear. Thus, with everything that God has given mankind, creation and the senses divinitatis, or the sense of the divine, humanity cannot be excused for denying the existence of God. We can never say God does not exist. Nobody can say God does not exist. What is happening is they suppress the truth. They suppress that inner sense that there is someone out there greater than everything else that we see that we are accountable to. Okay. And and general revelation is a sense of that. So those who don't have the Bible at least have this 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 sense of the divine within them and and creation when they look at creation they see certain characteristics of god now this 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 revelation of course doesn't save them it makes them aware and that there is someone greater out there for saving 
revelation, we must go to special revelation. So special revelation, as the term implies, is special in that it is found specifically in the Bible and ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't mean that salvation is found in the Bible as an object, for the Bible only points to the greatest revelation, Jesus Christ. Now, of course, it is God's Word. And when we read God's Word, God is speaking to us. And when God is speaking to us, we better take notice. right? So when God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, it is God speaking to us. Right? These are not just words on a page. These are God's very words that, that, are, uh, that he is addressing to humanity. Right? And then, of course, we have the, <clears throat> the person of Jesus Christ. And the person of Jesus Christ is the full revelation uh, of who God is. If you want to know who God is, we look at Jesus. Right? That's where we find all the characters, uh, characteristics of God. So in the Bible, right, we find the disclosure of all the characteristics of God. They are described there. So the main message of the Bible as God's inspired work is the good news of saving people through Jesus Christ. So to fully know God, we cannot turn to nature, although we find certain characteristics there, but we turn to the Bible, which in turn points us to Jesus, who shows us who God really is. Okay, so, so special and special revelation is uh, the revelation that ultimately brings us to the knowledge of uh, Jesus Christ, who brings salvation to humanity. So to understand who God is and what makes him trustworthy and worthy of our worship, we look at the Bible. A similar and appointed question was asked by those who first heard and read about the God of the Bible. What makes this God different from all the other gods? See, in the Bible, it is never a denial that other gods exist. They do. But who is the greatest? Who is the God that demands our worship? Are all the uh, the other gods? Are they? Are they? Um, they? Do we give them attention as we would give Yahweh, the God of the Bible? No. Um, as the ancients, they were confronted by a God who claimed to be superior to all, all other gods. It says in Isaiah forty-six. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. 
I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Okay, so the first thing that we discover from the above assessment is that God is not like any other. He is not an object that we can dissect because he doesn't have a body of any kind. We can say that God is spirit. Now, many people say that God is a person, but we can't say that about God. We can say he is personal, but he is not a person as we are a person. God is not uh, a person to the nth degree. And so, like us, but then infinitely stronger. Like us, but infinitely more knowledgeable. Like us, but infinitely more powerful, and so forth. Right. So, being like us, but then to the nth degree. God is totally other. He is like us in that he is personal, but he is unlike us that he is not a person. We cannot and we should never say that he is, that he is found in a, in a particular uh, specific location. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. And so, um, because he is spirit, he can be everywhere at one time. He is where I am now. He is here sitting in front of a computer in this chair. He is there when I walk out the door of my office. He is there when I drive home. He is everywhere. This can be a very disturbing thought, all right? And especially when you try to hide from him. I mean, David said in one of the Psalms, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. And God said to himself, of himself to the prophet Jeremiah, uh, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? See that's that's a, a thought, and if you if you stop and think about this, it kind of uh, um, blows your mind, right? I mean, God is everywhere, and He's just not everywhere where I am. He is also everywhere you are, and everywhere your parents are, and everywhere your friends are. Whether you believe in Him or not, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. And people, as we have seen, suppress the truth that God exists and say that there is no God. 
And the psalmist is clear. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And only a fool says in his heart, there is no God. But it is like, even though you might deny the very existence of God, you might deny that God is actually, uh, is the creator of the universe. He is still where you are. And he still sees what you do. And so, um, yes, it, it can be a disturbing thought. Right? Um, but at the same time, this can be a very comforting thought to know that God is always near. David continues in Psalm 139 to describe the comfort he draws from the fact that God is always present. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So we can be assured that wherever we go, God is intimately present with us. And see, when we go through difficult times, we can say God is there with us. God experiences the heartache, the joys, the disappointments with me because he is here with me. While we might feel abandoned or lonely at times, we know that because God is not bound to a place, he is always with us. And see, and, and that we have to wrap our heads around. We cannot explain it because we are not God. Right? There are many things that we cannot, cannot explain about God because we are not God. These are divine concepts. But we must think about these things a little bit more closely. And because our lives right, are dictated by the things that we believe in, and so when we believe that God is with us at all times and God goes through the situations that we experience, then we live accordingly, right? We live accordingly. We, we live in the comfort knowing that he is there with us. And that is who God is. And that is what the Bible tells us. And that's what we must hold on to. Now, there's a lot of other things that we, um, that we must, uh, must know about God. And that is his, that he is triune. And, and in the next podcast, we will talk a little bit more about who God is as triune being. What does that mean?